Welcome to the pen and the yod. This week's Torah portion is Bahalotacha. Rabbi Michael Siegel of On Shamit Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about Light My Fire, the Power of Human Potential. I don't know about you, but I had grandparents who kind of came from the old country and they had all kinds of Yiddishized phrases that were um, always uh, a source of wonder and sometimes laughter for me. So my grandfather. Yeah, me too. I still don't know what half of them meant, but I I, I get the idea and I, I still laugh when I think of them. My grandfather used to say, make the light, which was his way of saying, turn on the light. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I, I don't know if he was thinking of this week's portion, but he could have been because in this week's portion of Balotcha, Aaron receives the commandment of how to kindle the menorah. The menorah is a very powerful symbol in the temple. It is the symbol of the tree of life that was in the middle of the garden, the tree of good and evil. And it finds its place, interestingly enough, directly in the middle of the construction of the Mishkan. And so in a way, what you're seeing there is that the Mishkan, the portable sanctuary, is a kind of a symbol of the Garden of Eden. And there in the middle is the menorah. And when Aaron is commanded to kindle the lights, what it says is, don't light the oil. It says, Balotcha, which is the same, has a connection to the word Aliyah. Make the light go up. Make it go up. And that's a, just a very interesting turn of phrase. And when the rabbis look at it, what they come up with is the idea that part of the light to kindle the menorah has to come from the person. Aaron has to bring some of his own internal light, his own internal intention to kindle the menorah, some of his own spiritual light as well. Yeah, and of course, you know, literally the flames go up. You can understand why they might put it that way. But I like the uh, the grander idea, the, uh, the the metaphor that that we have to have something burning within us in order to make our prayers count. It's not enough just to say the words. Right. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been to the catacombs in Rome, but if you have, there's a whole Jewish section, which is a little hard to get into. But I once had a tour of the Jewish catacombs, and you're looking at graves that go back to the first century before the Common Era. And the way that you could tell that they were Jewish graves was because there is a fresco of a menorah on the wall. And to kind of stand there and look at this symbol, which is something that we're familiar with and connected to people who are living, you know, 2,000 years ago, and then connected to the toll reading is really powerful indeed. And so there's probably no more important or more ancient symbol than the menorah. So if you take this idea and you then apply it to the destruction of the first temple and then the second temple, you see that Titus, the Roman emperor, created a victory arch in the middle of Rome, the Ark of Titus. But if you look at the Ark of Titus and you see the Jews taking back all of the spoils, carrying them as slaves back to Rome, the one that is most prominent in the fresco is the menorah. And what's interesting is that that same symbol of Israel, of the temple, of the Jewish people, became a symbol of the exile. And when the state of Israel was established and they were looking for a symbol for the state, 
they didn't choose an eagle and they didn't choose a, a griffin. They chose the menorah. And they took the exact facsimile of the menorah on the Ark of Titus and they made that the national symbol, as if to say, we have brought the menorah back. We have brought this ancient symbol of Israel back to the modern state of Israel. And I think that's a very powerful idea as we start to think about what the state of Israel represents for us today, that it's not a phenomenon of 1948. It's a story that goes all the way back to the Torah itself, and that we are part of that story, and we have written ourselves back into history. I wonder how you respond to that. I think it's really interesting. You know, you began by talking about your grandparents and, and my grandparents were also, you know, immigrants. They'd come from Russia. And I can remember in their homes, and this would have been in the, in the seventies even, how they had saved all of these materials from the fundraising efforts for Israel, um, back in the forties that they had the buttons and they had the pamphlets and they had been so proud to contribute. They didn't have a lot of money, but they had been so proud to contribute whatever they could. And they had never been to Israel. They were, they weren't from there, but they understood that this was something bigger, that it went back further, that it connected them, that they were directly connected to Israel, regardless of the fact that they, they came from, from Russia. And what do you think that symbolized for them? I mean, was it the kind of a geopolitical entity or because you, you're, you're suggesting that it was something more to them? Yeah, I think they knew that they were homeless in a way, right? They had come from Russia, but never felt they, they belonged there. They were in America now and they, they loved it. And they always said that they'd heard the streets were paved with gold and that they were not too disappointed. But Israel connected them in a way that nothing else could, I think, to a sense of having a home. And so in a way, the internal light of every Jew was kindled with the idea that the Jewish people were coming home and that the menorah was coming back to Israel and was going to be relit. And I'm not sure that you're grandparents or me or anybody else would have made that connection. But I think that that's a very powerful one and something that we should consider. Yeah, it, yeah it suggests that there was a flame burning within them, um, whether they knew it was there, whether they could identify it. But I think that's something that was very real um, and is still very real. Well, I think it is. I wonder how real it is for us today. If we have sort of lost that idea amidst all of the politics of Israel, after all, this is, on the one hand, you know, it's 75 years after the end of the Second World War. But when we celebrated Yom Asmaut this year, 72 years into the state, the state is well established. It's got a strong army. And while it has a myriad of challenges, it has also been a miraculous success story. And so have we lost that idea of the connection to our history and what the state of Israel means to us, or do we see it? Yeah, I worry about that. Um, you know, it's it's a lot easier to root for the underdog when Israel's the the little guy being picked on, it's easier to rally around now that this country is so well established and, and so strong. Some of the feelings about it change, especially for, I think, younger people who, who don't remember another time. And you know, the question is also about how we feel as Jews. Is that flame within us burning on such a low pilot that we don't, that we don't notice it anymore, that we, we don't think about how important that is. I, I, I worry that we're losing that flame. Well, I think one of the, one of the mistakes that was made, and actually that's, that's the wrong word, but it feels that way, is that after the Shoah, 
after the Holocaust, the state of Israel came three years later, which is a remarkable idea in and of itself. In the diaspora, whether it was because Jews felt guilty or just the trauma of the Holocaust, the focus was on the need for Israel so that we don't ever find ourselves in a situation where Jews cannot protect themselves. Jews have to have their own homeland. That's the conclusion of the Holocaust. We can never be in a situation where Jews can be sent from, you know, boats can be sent from country to country without any way of disembarking the passengers because they're Jews. Israel will always be open to the Jewish people. That's the Israel that I grew up with. And so in some ways, too many Jews think that Israeli history or our history of the Jewish people begins in 1948. And I think that Jewish history begins with the menorah going all the way back to the time of Moses. After where were they going? They were going to the land of Israel. What were they going to do in the land of Israel? They were going to settle the land. And why were they going to settle the land? Because it was going to be a place where the best ethics of the Torah would be seen and it would be a light to the nations. That's the story. That's our story. And I think that that's the one that we should be teaching. And we should put less emphasis on Israel as a geopolitical entity or as a response to the Holocaust. Because if it's just a response to the Holocaust, then I think you lose the historical argument. And I also think you lose the ethical argument. Oh, that's right. In the, in the scope of history, um, these things are very recent. The Holocaust might seem like a million years ago to students who are studying it, but it's it's so recent that we still have survivors. And in the arc of history, when you look at the Torah, when you look at the menorah, the menorah has a much longer history than Israel. And these events of the last 100 years are a mere blip. That's true. So, I mean, you know, what are we going to embrace? Are we going to embrace um, Yad Vashem or do we embrace the menorah? That becomes the question. David Hartman, my teacher and a remarkable figure, the founder of the Shalom Hartman Institute, used to talk about the difference between Sinai and Auschwitz. The Jews need to choose Sinai and not Auschwitz. You know, our raison d'etre isn't so that we won't give Hitler a posthumous victory. The reason that we survive is in order to engage in the best of Jewish tradition, the best of Jewish peoplehood, and to be a light to the nations. That was his argument. And I think it's an important one. I think it's especially important today because there is so much Israel fatigue because we spend all of our time thinking about borders and two-state solutions that we rarely talk about what the state of Israel should represent to us. And I think that it is, you know, our lifeblood as part of our history. Yeah, not just to us, but to but to the world. Every nation has a role to play, but Israel has an especially large role to play in showing the the, the as you said, the being a light to the to the world, showing the way that ethics can not just affect our individual lives, but guide us as a society. But I think part of the issue here is that Israel has an effect on people in ways that other countries do not. For a Christian, when they look at Israel, for a Muslim, when they look at Israel, what do they see and how do they see it? I think that goes into their understanding of Israel. And it's not always positive. And they are certainly entitled to their beliefs, whether they're affronted by Jews coming back to Israel or they're threatened by Jews coming back to Israel. Muslims can make an argument that Jews should have no place in, in Jerusalem. That is an argument that you hear again and again, that it's an affront to Islam. There are some Christians who believe that 
the Jews coming back to the state of Israel is a step closer to the second coming. But there are also all kinds of idealized understandings of what Israel should be and what how the Jewish people should act in Israel as opposed to kind of a normal nation that brings a lot of negativity to Israel. The real question to me is they're going to think what they're going to think, but what do Jews think? And how do we understand that? At the end of the day, and I, I'll leave you with this, the question that Jews have to be able to answer in terms of Israel is a simple one. What gave the Jewish people the right to resettle the land of Israel in 1948 and declare a state? What gave us the right to do that? I think that's a great question. And I think as you suggested earlier, it was not um, the end of the war. It was not the Holocaust. It was something much bigger, much deeper. And that's the story we need to be telling. I couldn't agree more. And uh, it's worth reading the Israeli Declaration of Independence and see its starting point, because there you'll see that the framework for the state of Israel wasn't the Holocaust, but it was the historical connection to Israel and ultimately the connection to the menorah. Thanks, Jonathan. It was a pleasure talking with Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Have a great day. Bye-bye now.